0: great singing that was really a uh, wonderful hymn to sing before the preaching of god's word as we uh, turn to god's word let's return once again to him in prayer and ask him to illuminate our hearts and minds with his spirit so that we may understand and apply his word almighty god our heavenly father We indeed are gathered now all to hear you, and we pray, Father, as we just sang, that our hearts and souls would be stirred now to seek and love and fear you. Oh, Father, would you open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your word that we would know what we are to believe about you and also what duty you ask of your redeemed people. Be with us now, Father, as we are gathered to hear you speak. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would take out your Bible and turn with me to Mark's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We are just a few weeks into our series Jesus According to the Bible, an exposition of the Gospel according to Mark. Well as I as we begin uh, this more uh, this particular sermon, I wanted to give us a warning. I want to make us all aware of a danger, a danger that for many of us might be present when we're listening to a sermon from the Gospels. What is this danger I'm talking about? The danger is familiarity. Most likely you've heard before what we're going to look at today, once at least if not many times. Yet we would be wise to ask ourselves, if if the life and ministry of Jesus is so familiar, then why do so many people hold differing views about who Jesus is and what he came to do? I mean, many people that we know around us, even us, can hold sincere beliefs about Jesus that cannot in any way be supported by Scripture, And in a day and age of increasing sources of information, I mean, we're in the information age, aren't we? The Bible remains our one true source about Jesus. And so today we're going to continue to get our understanding about Jesus from the Bible, from Mark's gospel. Mark Remember the man. Who is Mark the man? He's Peter's interpreter. He's taking what Peter has seen in the life and ministry of Jesus and writing it down. And what's his method? His method is what we've been calling a docudrama, where you see various videos and still shots of the life and ministry of Jesus as the camera zooms in to Jesus and then zooms out to the crowds and the responses of people around him. And he has a message, Mark has a message for us, and it's the gospel, and it's this gospel that's good news that's centered upon Jesus. It's about him, but it's also the gospel that's proclaimed by Jesus. Jesus, the man who who Mark has already introduced to us as uh, the Son of God, as Christ, and we're beginning to see Jesus' mission. And we'll continue to hear Jesus' message. And we'll learn in a word, as we've been learning, that Jesus is the King who brings with him the kingdom of God. And remember again, Mark is a great gospel to study because Mark is the shortest catechism. Three questions and answers. Who is Jesus? What did Jesus come to do, and how should someone, how should we respond to the person and work of Jesus? And when we get lost in the coming days as to what's going on in Mark, come back home to the shortest catechism, the gospel according to Mark. So far in Mark, we've seen the arrival of God's King, Jesus Christ. Last week, we saw the King in action. As we saw, Jesus has the authority and power to call men to teach doctrine and to heal spiritual and physical illnesses. And In addition to showing us Jesus' authority, Mark also reveals to us Jesus declaring his priority not to be popular, not to pursue fame and acclaim, but a priority to to preach, to proclaim God's word. And in our text today, Mark, as it were, zooms his camera in on a divine human encounter. Our approach to the text this morning will be to consider the man who came to Jesus, the Christ who had compassion, and then finally the exchange that took place during this divine human encounter. Join with me as I read Mark chapter 1, Verses 40 through 45. And a leper came to him, that is Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And people were coming to him from every quarter. First, let's see what our text tells us about the man who came to Jesus. First, he was a man who had a big problem. He was a leper. A leper. Now, you heard a few verses read from uh, Leviticus 13 and 15. 14, talking about leprosy, but leprosy included a wide variety of chronic skin diseases. And the Old Testament law detailed very minute regulations as to how this disease, how this illness, how this condition was to be dealt with. The leper, this unnamed man, was, in a word, an outcast, socially He had to be away from people, and spiritually, even if he gathered with God's people, he had to be separated from the rest, separated by a wall, a screen. And as you heard, read, the leper had to walk around as he approached people with these words, unclean, unclean. The leper in this day and age was living, and breathing, and walking, and talking in a living hell. The Jewish historian Josephus writes about a leper, that there was no way differing from a corpse. A leper was in no way differing from a corpse. A leper was good as dead, we might say. And the rabbis teaching at that time thought, Curing a man or a woman of leprosy was about as difficult as raising someone from the dead. Notice again, the leper is an outcast. That's not what he does. That's not what he, um, that's not his hobby, his vocation. That's who he is. If you're a leper, that is your identity, Now, some of us may feel like outcasts, and we may have our feelings hurt every now and then, but this man didn't feel like an outcast. He was an outcast. The only thing that might come close today is uh, how initially people reacted to people with AIDS or Uh, Maybe someone who has an infectious disease, uh, someone uh, with Ebola that comes back and they're in quarantine and they're isolated. Again, he was a man who had a big problem. He was a leper. That was his identity. He was miserable, helpless, and hopeless. He was a man in great need. And yet this man was a man who made a great discovery. He discovers that Jesus is in the area. The leper heard of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he heard about him going around healing. As we read in verse 39, and he went out uh, throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And we read earlier that um, in addition to healing um, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, uh, his fame is spreading around because of he's going around healing. He heard about Jesus. He heard about Jesus' extraordinary power. And he heard about it the same way you and I hear about it. Through eyewitnesses. Brothers and sisters, we have the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and ministry right here. In that sense, we are no different than the leper. We've heard that Jesus is in the area and he's going around healing. Healing. And notice, he didn't just hear about Jesus, he took action in response. He went to Jesus and he fell to his knees. We read that. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him. I mean, picture this. I mean, we talked about Jesus as the king and in your mind's eye, don't you see that's what's happening? Um, a man is approaching, a commoner is approaching the king and he's bowing in the presence of of the king. If you and I did that to one another, I mean what an awkward social moment. But notice we read nothing about Jesus saying, get up off your knees. We we read of nothing about Jesus saying um, don't do that. No, he kneels at Jesus. He kneels. It's a stunning posture, isn't it? Kneeling before the Lord kneeling before the lord he's got a big problem but he makes a big great discovery but we also see that this is a man who was aware and who knows that jesus whoever he was he was absolutely sovereign this man this leper recognizes that jesus has power to heal he's heard about him healing others But he he doesn't know if Jesus has the desire to heal. He knows that what Jesus will do is Jesus' own choice, not his choice. He knows that Jesus is able. He has no doubt Jesus is able. However, he does not know if he is willing. He has no doubt. He has doubt. What we see before us, congregation, is a picture. It's a picture of fallen man's spiritual condition. Leprosy is a skin disease that, as we heard earlier, goes more than skin deep. It goes to the core, as it were, of who a person is. And it's a living hell, and you will rot away to your death. And there was really no Cure. No cure. It illustrates the doctrine of total depravity, and only Christianity has this doctrine. Christianity is very extreme. It says there's one way to God, and that's through Jesus, and it also is extreme in describing the condition man is in. This morning in our Sunday school class, uh, We were uh, looking at the questions and reviewing questions that talked about what the scriptures principally teach. And we all recognize that, you know, we don't have to be taught to sin. We don't have to be taught to not be holy. We don't have to be taught. That's natural. That's us. That's how we show up. It's a picture here of man's spiritual condition. You know, it's interesting. um, All of us, in various ways, we dress ourselves up, don't we? We dress up to cover up. We put makeup on over our whole body so you don't see the flaws. It's a picture before us of man's, fallen man's spiritual condition. You know, again, he goes up to Jesus and says, If you will, you can make me clean. Both faith. And doubt are present in that statement. He knows Jesus is able. He doesn't know if Jesus is willing. And yet when he considers his condition. And brothers and sisters we really are. It, it, it's, it's hard to, to even know how to describe this today. As to how much of an outcast this man was. And he's breaking all kinds of rules and regulations. And he knows that he's supposed to, to, to announce his arrival. But he just, he is so desperate. He, he sees and hear, he hears of Jesus and he sees Jesus and he goes up to Jesus. And to borrow the, the title of the song from the temptations, he ain't too proud to beg. He's begging He's on his knees. He recognizes. With he is helpless and hopeless, apart from maybe this man. This man. You know, the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—teach uh, theology. Not so much directly, although when Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount and when we look at some of Jesus' extended uh, sayings and discourses, of course he's teaching. But primarily the Gospels are teaching indirectly through people. And so we are called, as it were, to enter into the story, to see ourselves in the story. And who are we to identify with in this story? You know, there's two people here in this story, right? The leper and Jesus, Here's a hint. It's not Jesus. Because, you know, some of us, and I include myself at times, will go, you know, hey, Jesus is going to demonstrate some compassion to this man. You know what? I need to be compassionate. I need to be like Jesus. Jesus is not going to run away from difficult things. Hey, I need to be a person who doesn't run away from difficult things. This this. Story that Mark is including in his gospel. We are not to identify ourselves with Jesus. We are to identify ourselves with this leper. His point is not to be like Jesus, it's to realize we are like the leper in more ways than we care to admit to ourselves and to others. Well, let's turn our eyes now away. From the man and to Jesus, the Christ who had compassion. We're going to go from the cry of the desperate to the response of the Savior. Jesus displayed his compassion. Verse 41 moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will. Be clean. Notice this sequence. He was moved with pity. Jesus was something in his heart stirred. He wells up compassion, sympathy, love. And it led to something. It led not just to words. It led not to just another feeling, it led to action. Jesus stretched out his hand. And right then and there, Jesus could have spoken. And instantaneously, there would have been healing that would have been declared the leper cleansed. But no, it didn't stop there. It says he touched him. Not only was the leper not supposed to touch other people, but no one was to touch a leper. Not only did you have the rules and regulations that we see in Leviticus, but you had these extra biblical rules where if a leper passed underneath a tree, the tree would become unclean. Things like that. Jesus touched him. The touch of Jesus was an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible compassion that the Lord had for this man. Remember, Jesus is on earth revealing who God is. Compassion. Kindness. Mercy. Um, Moved with pity. Brothers and sisters, there is no better place to be on earth than in the position of being pitied by Jesus. In a day and age where we are told to be strong and make it happen and, uh, you know, do it yourself. I mean, I love all the Home Depot ads, right? You can do it, we can help, let's do this. I mean, there's no better place to be than in the position of being pitied by Jesus, Because look what happens. Jesus not only displays his compassion, he demonstrates his power. And he said to him, I will be clean. Jesus is not only able, he is willing. You notice the man does not doubt that Jesus can only if he will. A couple of weeks ago we sang a hymn that I think we maybe should have sung today as well. But maybe not, at least I can quote it. You remember, come ye sinners? Remember that? He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more is that call. And notice in verse 42, there's immediate result from the words of Jesus. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Scripture is clear that that God created the world by the word of his power. He spoke it into being. I mean, that is hard to believe, isn't it? But that's the clear witness of Scripture. And here, Jesus is demonstrating the power to recreate, to renew. Jesus' priority is to preach, and so therefore, maybe this miracle is an illustration of, In Jesus' ongoing sermon. He displays his compassion. He demonstrates his power. But he also declares a warning. I mean, it could have ended, right? And he was made clean. And they lived happily ever after, right? That's what Mark could have done. But he didn't. Mark continues to record this. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Jesus is not only compassionate, Jesus is stern, and they're not mutually exclusive. I think it's uh, J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God has a chapter about the goodness and severity of God. And for many people, that recognition that God is both the the lamb and also the lion is very helpful to understand the God we know and the God we worship. He says, don't talk because my time has not yet come. There's not to be a crucifixion before the right time. But instead, don't talk, but show yourself to the priest in order to fulfill the law. Because Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill the law. But before we move on, we must look back now to the man who came to Jesus because he did not obey we see that in verse 45, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. It reminds us, I think, that discipleship means following Jesus, not only in trust, but also obedience. It's like the hymn says so very well, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And discipleship often means obeying the Lord when it doesn't seem to make sense. Are any of you guys in that position right now? Saying, I know what God's word says, but you know, God may have missed it here. And I think I know best. This passage is reminding us, as we will see as Mark unfolds, that God really does know best, and our trust in Him needs to be accompanied by our obedience to Him. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Why would you not want the word to get out about Jesus and His healing? Trust and obey. And so here we have another picture, a picture of God's mercy and grace toward man. A couple of years ago, uh, we had the opportunity to travel over to Italy where Michelle's brother and family were living, and we got to go to the Vatican in Rome and go to the Sistine Chapel. And up on the ceiling are these frescoes, and, and it's Michelangelo, the famous Renaissance painter artist and he's got a series of frescoes that depict the uh, creation narrative and my eye was drawn to the one of it's it's called I believe the um, God's creation of Adam and for those of you that may be familiar it's got a depiction of, of God as kind of an angel and he's reaching out his hand his finger And about an inch away from his tip of his finger is the tip of Adam. And it's trying to depict the creation of man with the near touching of hands. But here, brothers and sisters, we have God and man touching. Could it be that recreation is greater than creation? Could it be that um, uh, just as angels long to look into the gospel, that, that we are in a better position than angels who have no need of forgiveness, we who need to be forgiven, have a greater glimpse of the beauty and the majesty of grace? Could recreation be greater than creation? I mean, here, God doesn't stop short and there's a little gap. Here is the creator touching the creation and the creation being made well. Well, it's not just these words and the posture of the leper and Jesus that we need to take notice of. No, we also need to observe the exchange that takes place. And one picture of salvation in the Bible is of of course, the great exchange. We heard that read earlier, 2 Corinthians 5:21, "For our sake God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." The great exchange. We Jesus gets our sin and we get Jesus' righteousness. You know, as as the hymn says, love so amazing, so divine. Demands my life, my soul, my all. The exchange, by his wounds you have been healed. We read in 1 Peter, Jesus is wounded and yet we are healed. Shouldn't it be the other way around? And yet it's a picture of the great exchange. Because brothers and sisters, if you hear anything, hear this. What we see here is Jesus trading places. With a leper. Isaiah 53. The portrait of the suffering servant. That will come. And that servant is of course Jesus. Listen to this. And as you listen to this. Picture in your mind the leper. The unnamed leper. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. Remember the leper's skin is deteriorating. It's white. It's falling off. He's walking around saying unclean, unclean. His hair is unkempt. He's wearing baggy clothing. I mean Hollywood tries to to do this in various movies. And here we have it in the scriptures. We go on. He was despised and rejected by men. That's the leper. A man of sorrows. If he was married, he could no longer be with his wife. If he had children, he could no longer see his children, touch his children. If he had a home, he couldn't go back to his home. He was acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Is that the leper? Or is that Jesus? Brothers and sisters, for us and for our salvation, Jesus goes outside the camp. The leper had come from isolation and a desolate place outside the city, outside the walls, outside the camp. And as a result of this encounter with the leper, where does Jesus go? He goes to the desolate places, to the lonely places That lonely place in the garden when his disciples are sleeping as he's praying to his father. And the ultimate place of being alone, despite being surrounded by two criminals and a mob. There's no more lonely place than Jesus bearing the sins of his people on the cross. The writer to the letter to the Hebrews says that, the sacrifice was for sin was to be burned outside the camp. And he goes on to say this, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. There's an exchange taking place. This divine human encounter helps us to understand the radical good news of the gospel in two ways. First, Jesus not only came to proclaim the gospel, but also to perform the gospel. And only Jesus can perform the gospel. You and I cannot do it. We can only proclaim it. Jesus performs it. Here is a shocking, scandalous scene. Jesus Touches the untouchable. He loves the unlovable. Jesus not only speaks, he acts here up close and personal. And he will act up close and personal on the cross. You know, in the gospel, God takes what Jesus deserves, blessing, and gives it to us, and takes what we deserve, curse, and gives it to Jesus amazing love how can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me second the gospel is free it's free to you and me because it was so costly to Jesus it was free for us because it cost Jesus And you've heard these words before a time or two from the Valley of Vision, from a chapter called Love Lusters at Calvary. Listen to these words in view of the exchange taking place. Christ was all anguish that I might be all joy, cast off that I might be brought in, trodden down as an enemy that I might be welcomed as a friend. Surrendered to hell's worst that I might attain heaven's best. Stripped that I might be clothed. Wounded that I might be healed. A thirst that I might drink. Tormented that I might be comforted. Made a shame that I might inherit glory. Entered darkness that I might have eternal life. The writer goes on to say, My Savior wept that all tears might be wiped From my eyes groaned that I might have endless song endured all pain that I might have unfading health bore a thorny crown that I might have a glory diadem bowed his head that I might uplift mine experienced reproach that I might receive welcome closed his eyes in death that I might gaze on unclouded brightness expired that I might forever live. Brothers and sisters, there is no faith and no religion anywhere on earth where the head of that does that for his people. Only Christianity. It's free to us. Absolutely free because it's so costly to him. And finally, one last point to be made. Did you notice what's missing from this text? Who did we see there? A leper and Jesus. No crowd, no other disciples, just the man and Jesus. And that's what Mark wants us. And indeed, the triune author of the inspired, inerrant, and infallible scriptures wants us to see. When it comes to salvation, it's a divine human encounter between you and Jesus. If you remember anything, and I don't know the condition of your heart today, but the, whatever you're dealing with now, hear these words Hear these words. If you're struggling with a sin that you feel has got you in its grip and it won't let go, if you're still in the position of not sure that Jesus is who he says he is, hear and remember these words because we see it illustrated before us. Jesus is able. Jesus is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for preserving for your people this this, uh, short movie recorded in Scripture of the encounter between the leper and Jesus. And Father, we thank you that it's there for us. Oh Lord, may these words that we have heard and thought about, may they find a home in our lives today and all our days. Father, may we not only recognize the condition that we are in before Jesus touches us, but may we also, um, uh, with, with joy, uh, rejoice at the condition we find ourselves in after the touch of Jesus. And, oh, Father, we exclaim as others have exclaimed, we believe, help our unbelief. And so, Father, would you meet your people today through your word and by your spirit. Father. Would you have pity on us today, your people, for we pray in Christ's name, amen.